Well, what an eye for wrestling fans, and I'm right. Take over and dynamite on the same night? Yes, please. I know it was quite inconvenient for some people, but come on. It's still incredible the fact we got special edition of dynamite and takeover at the same time. I would rather prefer, you know, if we're gonna have a special edition of dynamite, so it would happen on Friday or Thursday. Like it's going to happen next week, not at the same time with TakeOver, but I didn't mind it. So, how did both of the show perform? You know, we all have big expectation when it comes to TakeOver. The best, the pinnacle of professional wrestling, as I would say, a year ago, two years ago. Because every single TakeOver is better than any show the WWE can ever put. Every TakeOver is mind-blowing. And every takeover is great. That was a fact. Until recently, I would say. But, um... On the other hand, we have Dynamite. Who set the bar so high. With a weekly show that it's near impossible to beat it unless you're AEW. Because consistently, that's a key word. They perform in a great show after a great show. Consistently. Week after week, with sometimes a week or two drop, and then coming back again. They had the best run, it was four weeks before Revolution. Four weeks of incredible professional wrestling, every single week. And now, they arguably reached the same point. The same point of incredible week-to-week wrestling TV show. Because maybe it's not as incredible... Maybe they don't have so many, you know, memories that we had as we had it with the cage match against Warlow Cody or Lashes, you know, MGF and Cody. But here we had maybe arguably even better scenario with Cody's open challenge with Cassidy and Jericho with their build. We had a lot of good stuff. And you know what? I'm going to talk first about Dynamite because... This is not a takeover, this is not a pay-per-view, this is just a special edition of Dynamite. So what happened on Dynamite? Well, FTR versus Private Party, and FTR went with Tessa Blanchard to the ring, and Tessa Blanchard, oh, Tyler Blanchard, why did I say Tessa? Ah, it doesn't matter. Well, uh, Tyler Blanchard helped out FTR to win. FTR versus Private Party, Good, a little bit, I would say, not sloppy, but not the smoothest match, let's put it like this. It was very solid. It could have been a little better to be like, whoa, great match. It was still a good match with FTR trying to be more grounded, trying to make Private Party more grounded style of wrestling because it's FTR. And Private Party get in there, hot tech, running wild, and then Tyler Blanchard causing Isaiah Cassidy to whip out from the ring to the concrete floor by taking one of FTR members away from the dive. This was the downfall for Private Party. After this, they got beat up, beat up. Good night express. One, two, three, win for, for FTR. Good solid match, I was said many times already. And, uh... 
We had a lot of questions after this match. Why did FTR and Tally Blanchard suddenly became a team? Why did nobody help out Private Party, aka Matt Hardy? We kind of got an answer for this. And what's happening between FTR and the Elite? And in every single question, kind of, we got answers. So, next, we had great, great promos from the masters of promos. Moxley with more cool promo, you know, talking about the way from he came from. Cool guys, they don't speak. They don't talk shit, you know. They can't talk, but not too much. They show everything with their actions. With a fist. And you, MJF. You talk a lot of shit. So are you hiding? MJF, on the other hand, he was just... He was just <laughs> so fucking funny. Typically saying that Paradigm Chef is such... Such an awful move. It's an abomination towards every AW member of the roster. Because it's so dangerous... It can leave you crippled. One day, one day this man can have a family and his kids will ask him, Papa, can we play a game of catch? And he will have to answer them, no. No, son. It did is crippled. Oh. Such a, such a great, fun, <coughs> heelish promo from MJF. But then his lawyer from out of nowhere Nobody knows who he is, and he just starts talking shit about M uh, about Moxley in such a great fashion that you believe him, kinda. It was a great promo, and they established one thing: that they have a contract, and this contract there is a rule for their match at All Out, and this rule is that Moxley cannot use Paradigm Shift on MJF at All Out. It's a very interesting take because it's a very smart take on things. If you know that he wins matches after hitting this move time and time, every single time, just not let him use this thing. Great, great work from MJF. Later on, uh, we have fun Jurassic Express Nightmare Family match versus... Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Bros. You know, it's a junk food wrestling. You don't want to get too much of this because you're going to get burned out. Because of how many spots you're going to get. But once in a while, you can have this. And in AW, you're going to have this quite a few times. And this week we had two of these matches. This one and the one... In the next 20 minutes, I would say. So, how was this match? It was good. It was fun. It was fast. Fast pace. A lot of high-risk maneuvers. One that definitely stick out with me when uh, Pentagon tried to throw Dustin Rhodes to the Phoenix. But instead, he reversed it and made. What do you guess? Of course, Canadian pilot driver. Mwah, beautiful, beautiful scenes. Phoenix Snag should have just snapped and fly away into another dimension, but somehow they continued the match. But match ended with quite an bizarre way, 
when uh, Pentagon tried to go for his finisher with Phoenix, but instead there was Blade on the top rope trying to perform their finisher with Butcher. So they got into the argument and Pentagon pushed Blade and Jungle Boy took a cover and one to three they won. You think to yourself, well, that was an underwhelming ending. You know, yeah, it was fine, whatever, but we're going to break this team up, what, this group up, and we're going to have a match it all out. Well, at least you're going to use Lucha Bros, I guess, and Butcher and Blade. But then, Eddie Kingston comes out and cuts a great promo, saying that I travel with each and every single one of you. I fight it with every single one of you in the Indies. You are toughest motherfuckers I've ever seen. You two are one of the best luchadors in history. You two are one of the toughest son of a bitches in professional wrestling. So why the hell are you not a champions? I'm gonna tell you. It's because you're divided. It's because you are losing to yourself, not to the opponents. So follow me. And I will show you the winning streak. I will show you the way. Very interesting. Because we know that we have a death triangle with Pac and Lucha Bros. And it's quite interesting how it's all going to turn out when Pac will come back. For now, let's just wait. Wait and see what's going to happen next. But next, we know what happened. It was Jericho and Orange Cassidy once again. Orange Cassidy should have had his interview. First time ever in-ring interview with Orange Cassidy. But here comes Jericho. And he says, great show from you uh, last night, last week. You proved to all your haters that you are a main event player. You are ready to face with the likes of Chris Jericho. But we had one win and one loss to both of us. Let's have a final match it all out. And let's have a Mimosa Mayhem match. And I was like, wait, what? What are we going to have again? Excuse me? Mimosa Mayhem? What the fuck is this shit? And I guess the only two people in the world that can easily put it off. Pull it off. Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. It's a very weird comedic concept. You can win either by pinfall or submission or by throwing your opponent into 80 gallons of orange juice and 500 bottles of a little bit of the bubbly. I'm... I really I don't fucking have a clue how it's all going to turn out. Maybe it's going to be shit. Maybe it's going to be incredible. I would assume it's going to be somewhere in the middle. But we will wait and see. Because if someone can pull it off again, it's probably those two. Then we have my second favorite thing on the show and probably the best thing in professional wrestling right now. Hangman Page, his his self-destruction, self 
go away from the lead. And now his little feud with FTR, because, you know, they were friends. And now they attack Rock and Roll Express and kind of has smirk against the elite. And, you know, Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, the best team in the world. Who is the best team in the world? Who? Who? Well, right now we had a segment with Tyler Blanchard and FTR cutting a promo. Tyler Blanchard explained why he was in FTR corner, why he became their manager. Well, FTR understood what Tyler said last week. You cannot be considered great. You cannot be considered the best if you don't have gold around your waist. So, they're gonna team up. And next week, they're gonna have a gauntlet match where they're gonna be able to go as the last team. First is gonna be Nightmare Family versus Best Friends. Then whoever wins in their match gonna face against the Young Bucks immediately. And then the team that's gonna win there gonna face against FTR. FTR are confident in themselves. They're gonna go to All Out to face against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega to get the titles. But here comes Adam Page. He's questioning what the hell are these guys doing? Why are they attacking Rock and Roll Express? Why are they talking shit behind his back? But here comes FTR with the explanation. They're trying to chill him, calm him down, give him a beer, and explain that it's nothing against Hangman Page. Rock and Roll Express turned up to the appreciation night of wrestling, of tag team wrestling, and started to talk shit about them. It's what they had to do. They faked the injury to see if Hangman is actually their friend. And only two men helped out Dash or Cash. I don't remember right now. It was the other member of FTR and Hangman Page. You're a friend, they said. But think about it. If Young Bucks gonna win this gauntlet match and they're gonna be you at All Out, it's gonna take away everything you achieved in the last 200 days. With you holding the titles, going away from the elite, from the Young Bucks shadow, you're gonna go back to the shadow, you're gonna go back to zero. Is this what you want? We are going to win this match. We are going to go and face the man that we respect at All Out. So let's have a fair match. And fear the revelation. It was so good. It was... It was this little things. Them coming down page. Teasing for horsemen, but... Obviously, for us, for fans, try and just let Hangman Page believe in his little world. That they are friends, when in all honesty, they don't care about Hangman Page. They care about the titles. And this tease is a four horsemen are working so brilliantly because we all expect that we're going to have four horsemen with Cody and Spears and FTR. Or maybe some people were saying, Cody... FTR and Hangman Page. They playing on this and god fucking damn it do this. 
play with my emotions because I need this in my life. After this, we had another junk food match with Elite versus Dark Order. I would say it was even crazier, it was even fast-paced, no time to breathe, go, 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 and Nick stole the show. Nick, once again, had a heart attack. The great comeback from Nick Jackson, once again, go, 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 destroy everyone. Great combination to win. Assisted Melter Driver, I'm pretty sure it's called. Or was the other name of the, this move? Uh, and then from Assistant Master Driver to One Winged Angel from Kenny Omega on Alan Angels. One, two, three. Good, fun, fast match. But then Kenny gets the chair, tries to beat up Alan Angels with the chair, try to put him through the chair with a power bomb. But Bucks get away the chair and try to calm him down, but also. Asked, what the hell are you doing? The match is over, we won. And Kenny just laughs it off, goes away and celebrate. Even though he's kind of disappointed that they didn't let him do his job. Again, teasing, showing that he can bring back this cleaner side of him is great. I fucking love the storyline. Then we had probably the cringiest part of the show. Darby Allen versus Will Hobbs. It was like a three-minute match where Darby Allen didn't have that much offense. He got beat up quite a few times by this big lad, but it was a fine match. But after the match, Taz and commentary, who was on commentary, said, I have a new member of my squad. His name is also Darby, and here comes Ricky Starks. With a face paint like Darby Allen, with theme song of Darby Allen on a skateboard. He cut this promo about how Darby Allen treats life like a joke and how he's better than everyone else. Then uh, Brian Cage attack Darby Allen from behind, and then I would say the segment picked up himself from from being cringy. To being okay and like, oh, here comes the intense part of Ricky Starks. Because then he cut it more intense promo saying that you are the biggest joke of the Mo, And I'm going to beat your ass, basically. I heard a lot of people saying it was like the weakest part of the show. I would say that Chris Jericho, uh, Orange Cassidy was a little bit weaker for me when I first watched the show. Because... It basically, after the Mimosa Mayhem announcement, they recreated the orange juice beat up when they pull orange juice on orange. Uh, but only this time with champagne, which was more painful visually. This one wasn't as cringy at first, then I watched it again. Yeah, I felt this cringe, but only in the beginning. Later on was, how I said, picked out itself and it was Quite a good segment overall. Quite quite okay segment, let's put it like this. Then Matt Hardy attacks Sammy Guevara during the break, beat the living shit out of him with the table uh, with the chair, and then throw him into the table. Try to pick out the chair that Sammy throw in his face to do the same 
eventually i would i would guess but he was stopped by three or four referees sammy ran away and matt was pissed we got an announcement that next week we're gonna have matt versus sammy in a tables match which i think should be fun we have this dissension of matt hardy in his own brain his self-reflection is no longer there he he cannot control basically his personalities and i really really enjoy this i want to see more vicious side of matt and i want to see him literally kill sammy Guevara on next week should he win should he lose i don't know i don't want to give my opinion right now i want to just see how it's going to turn out to be because both ways it can go right and both ways they can go wrong with this so let's just wait and see but immediately after this segment we have one of the most surprising things of the show thunder rosa appeared on the screen the nwa women's champion and she announced that she wants to brought uh, bring back the respect towards women's wrestling in aw she wants to bring back aw women's division to the top where it never was and to make this happen she needs to beat sheeta at all out that that's that's a great announcement that's a dream match come true basically at all out and I'm sold. I want to see this. I'm not a big fan of women's wrestling matches, but you know what? I'm intrigued. Show me what you can do. Uh, then after this, we had a final of team tournament, uh, women's tag team tournament. It was, it was fine. You know, I really don't want to talk a lot about this because I wasn't invested that ma- uh, that match uh, into that match. Because, you know, as I said before, I'm not a big fan of women's wrestling in general. Uh, and they had some good good spots in this match. Overall, it was how I said to near every single match. It was a fine match. Probably the weakest one of them all here. But, yeah, whatever. Uh, thankfully, Brenda Rhodes and Ellie lost. That was a good thing because I don't think anyone would want to see Brenda Rhodes winning this match and then bragging about her figure one more time. So it was a good thing. And then we had literally the perfect segment. Cody versus Brody Lee for the TNT title. Oh baby! We all heard reports that Eric Rowan gonna show up here. He's gonna cause Cody to win, uh, to lose this match. And I was thinking to myself, well, it can work, but I don't really want to see it. And thankfully, it didn't happen. What did happen was a three-minute assault, three-minute squash match, where Cody lost with barely any offense. What? Yeah, that was that was it. Three minutes, Brody Lee with the discus clothesline after beating the living shit out of Cody. He's your new TNT champion. He says Tony Schiavone that that's they who made him. These VIP persons with all the power in the world not giving him any opportunities. 
those people created Brody Lee. And now, when he has an opportunity, he will show what he's capable of. Cody is living on a stretch. You know, he's going to the ambulance. They're going to put him into the medical facility to find out what's going to happen to Cody next. But Brody just says, nah, we're not taking any shit. <laughs> Doc Oder comes out, celebrate with Brody, and then assault once again Cody, throwing him for the stretch, you know, just beating him up while he's on ground, beating on Anderson, and then bringing on Nightmare Family, and just beating them too, putting them to the ground near Cody. So Brody, uh, so Brandy comes out, but Brody says to Anna Jay, to choke the living shit out of Brandy. And then. The best part of this segment. He throws. Onto Cody Rhodes. Broken. TNT. Old title. Ah, what a symbol is. What a, what a look. For Dark Order and Brody Lee. And then they just leave. Leaving Cody. Brandy. And all Nightmare family. Lay on the ground, unconscious. Oh, that was perfect. You know, I would say the Dark Order felt real good for the last months or two. For the next two or three months, actually, maybe. They picked themselves up. They were quite interesting before they revealed who Exalted One was. With the segments behind the scenes with the... With the... With their manager guy. With... You know, ads management talking, you losing? Call us. But then after the reveal of Brody Lee, they just picked themselves up. At first it was questionable, but after like three, four weeks, this is incredible. They look great. You know, when they standing all together in every single match, looking up for the Dark Order mates, they look incredible. They look so cool. And... Even though they were losing quite a few matches, it didn't really hurt them that much. And now with Brody holding this TNT title, it should escalate Dark Order even more. I am really sold on Brody Lee. I wonder what they're going to do. Uh, will it be Macardona versus Brody Lee at All Out? What will happen with the TNT title? Will we have another open challenge? Will we see Brody Lee every single week? Who knows? But it was... It was perfection. Great uh, episode of Dynamite. This segment especially... Escalated the show for me like twice. Because it was a fine show before with the great segments and okay matches most of the time. Good matches. But this... This made it a great show. But now, let's talk once again about NXT, because, you know, it's a takeover. We all have big expectations, especially with me, because I didn't enjoy last one. It was a shock to myself, because takeovers, you know, is a thing that brought me back into wrestling, where and main main show was shit, main roster was shit. I looked at NXT, was like, wow... This is really cool. Wow, I want to see what happens next. Wow, 
the takeovers were amazing and then in your house happened and there was the worst cinematic match in Adam Cole versus Velotin Dream. There was a great match between Finn Balor and Damian Priest, match of the night for me, and there were underwhelming matches like Keith Lee versus Johnny Gargano that I enjoyed, but I thought I was gonna get a kick from it. It was just stupid sometimes with Johnny being a dumbass and Keith Lee winning. It was fine, but I expected way more. Same goes for Io Shirai versus Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. It was a good match, but it could have been better. So, how was this show? The Takeover Thirty, you know, it's it it should be one of the best takeovers ever, right? And at first, it started really well with fun, but very sure. Triple Threat Tag Team Match for number one contendership where Brizanga won against Oni Lurkin and... Oh my god, I don't remember the name. I don't remember the name. Oh god, you know who I'm talking about. And Elfantasma's gang. Don't really care about Elfantasma right now. This is, this is very disappointing because I was not a big fan of the storyline of Drake Maverick. Quite honestly, I hated it. Because they used the real life situation to push their fictional situation. And it was it was quite shit in my opinion. And right now, Delphantasma doesn't really strike me as the character that I really invested at. Same goes for Drake Maverick who is just spending his time on 205 Live. And before was presented like an absolute idiot in NXT, you know. Uh, Brizanga won in under 7 minutes and even though it was a fun match where the teams didn't have a lot of time to show themselves, I'm just constantly finding myself in the position where I'm saying to myself, this is the weakest NXT tag team wrestling felt. They have barely any teams. They have Imperium from UK. They have Undisputed Era. They have uh, Oni Lorcan and the other guy still don't remember his name. Oh my god. And they have Brizango. They have also those Indians guys uh, that leaks <laughs> the ending of Adam Cole versus Keith Lee. And that's it. And none of the teams apart from Undisputed Era and Imperium feel like they are a legitimate threat. And I remind myself of the times of DIY, AOP, uh, FTR, the reliable back then, and American Alphas, and I look at this division and just, it just shows that main roster got even into NXT with their mentality of tag team wrestling doesn't really matter. And it's a shame, because... They had a very good tag team division before. Uh, then we had Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher. Very good match. Grounded, as you would expect. A lot of submissions. A lot of uh, takedowns. You know, a lot of grounded stuff. And I was quite a fan of this match. I really enjoyed it. But Finn winning is a right call. Right? 
it's questionable because Timothy Thatcher, after winning against Matt Riddle, didn't really feel like a major threat. You know, he lost in the qualification match. He beat Oni Larkin, but when he needed to fight for North American title, he lost in a qualifiers. And it kind of made me question what they're going to do with him. And match against Finn was was like, yeah, that's cool, but Finn should win it, right? Finn Balor, who haven't had this moment at NXT, I would say, when he came back. Because he came back and then he had this great heel turn uh, with Johnny Gargano, you know. He had a good match with Johnny, but then after this, he just disappeared. He didn't do anything, and then they started to build towards Finn Balor versus Walter for NXT UK show. Obviously, got scrapped because of COVID, but still it was like, why he's NXT UK? Why is he not fighting for North American title? What are you doing with Finn Balor here? And right now, I'm still asking the same questions because even though he won, they don't really know what they're going to do with him. So maybe Timothy Thatcher should win and establish himself as a contender for Damian Priest's North American title. Maybe? I don't know. I was a fan of the match, but the finish and the fact that those two had to fight right now didn't really convince me. Then we have obviously the best match of the night. The six-man ladder match for North American title. As I said before, Damian Priest won it, but let's just focus on how good this match was. Not as good as the first one, or when they invented North American title as the first ever match for North American title, but still, very, very good match. So many great spots. So much intensity, especially in the last couple of minutes when everyone was climbing the top of the ladder and you thought yep Cameron Grimes is winning oh wait Johnny Gargano oh wait he's winning <gasps> what no Damien Priest Damien Priest is winning yes you know like this this emotions were there and you were like great camera angle great storytelling great everything again how I said before so many great spots so much good shit in this match. Uh, yes. There are some questions with. Velveteen Dream. I don't really think he's the man. Who should have been in this match. From the very get go. But for this match. I'm going to let it slide. And I'll complain about this a lot. Because it was such a great match. You should really just watch it. But then. We had the most surprising match. Of them all. Pat McAfee. Against Adam Cole. It was a good. Very good match surprisingly again. Pat really showed to all of the skeptics. That he can actually put a great performance. He is very very good. His agility. His his selling was quite on top. And him being a heel in this match. 
mocking constantly Adam Cole and the whole Undisputed Era? Yeah, that worked for me. The problem that I have with this match is not especially Pat McAfee, is the whole of this celebrity versus established wrestler. Yes, he lost. He had a great performance. But I don't think we should have had this match from the very get-go. We just didn't need it. I don't know, maybe it's gonna set Undisputed Era on fire and they're gonna become a face team, you know, maybe they're gonna have dissension with Roderick Strong or Kyle O'Reilly, who knows, but it was a good match where you can clearly see that Pat McAfee actually cared about what he's gonna do, he trained well, he, he was clearly invested in what he's about to do, you know, into his character, into what he's doing in the ring, but overall, good emotions mixed with confused emotions. Then we had Eeyore versus Dakota Kai, and uh, how should I describe this match? It was very standard. It was a good match, you can't really complain about it. I would just say it was standard. First minute, it was quiet, not tough, but boring to watch for some reason. They just didn't pick up the pace, they just didn't pick up the chemistry between themselves, you know, they were struggling a little bit. But then they were very good, good throughout the whole night when they fought it, but... It was so generic, you know, all the spots you could have predicted easily, like the ref bump, uh, Gonzalez <clears throat> interfering in the match, Eo making a great moonsault and there was no ref to pin Dakota Kai, great near fall with Dakota Kai, but eventually Eo won, then she got attacked by Gonzalez, then Rhea Ripley came out, and... Rhea Ripley versus Gonzalez is said to be the next match, I would assume, for NXT in, in the next couple of weeks. And it was fine. It kind of took away something from this match because the stare down was a little bit more interesting than the whole match in general for me. Uh, but again, nothing really to complain about, but nothing really to praise. It was just there. It was fine. It was good from time to time, but it was fine overall. And my voice is going down, and it's fine by me because we're gonna talk about the worst match of the night Killer Cross versus Keith Lee. Oh god. A lot of people had big expectations. I didn't. I remember when I watched previous takeover and I wanted Cross just to kill Champa. I got this match, I got what I wanted, I was so disappointed because before that I had two very disappointing match already because I had the worst cinematic match ever and I had disappointing for myself Keith Lee versus Adam uh versus Johnny Gargano match. So having this match, I just wanted some good professional wrestling and I had slow Suplex after suplex after suplex. This time we got a boring match. They got horribly, horribly influenced by uh, Killer Cross injury. And 
it was just painful to look at this 20 minutes. I, I nearly fall asleep, you know. It's rare that, ha that, that this happens with me during takeovers. It, it never happens when it comes to takeovers, apart from in your house and this one. I don't remember being, like, nearly going down asleep, but this time, this time it happened. Like, I was about to fall asleep. Again, injury definitely took a big part of this match. But overall, it's a right call to make Cross a champion because they did you know, follow up after his great character work. But that's the that's the main problem with me and Cross, you know. He's a great character guy. In ring though, he's boring. For me personally. And it's not like Timothy Thatcher's style, you know, grounded and more of a submission guy, gonna beat the living shit out of you, more of a suplex guy. And not really a lot to look. You know, he's He's doing some stuff like side of suplex from the second rope that he won this match. It's not really that impressive. Yeah, it looked cool that he made the suplex, but overall, he doesn't have a move set that would set you on fire. Even this move that would make you feel like, oh shit! You know, he's a good character. And in ring. Two takeovers in a row. For one reason or another, I got disappointed with his match. Hopefully they have a good story in plan for him. Again, maybe we're not going to even have the story because of the injury. Uh, we will see. It was a very disappointing match for me. I didn't expect a lot of things, but again, because of the injury, it got even worse. And... I would say was disappointing takeover. I read a lot of comments and a lot of people to my surprise said it's the worst takeover they ever seen. I would disagree how I said many times tonight I said that in your house was worse in my opinion and I'm pretty sure there were questionable takeovers before like in 2014 maybe 15 in the very beginning because then they picked up the pace. But without a doubt, it was a disappointing uh, takeover. And it, it's so bad because it was number 30, you know. Great. Should have been like the great celebration of takeovers. The history of takeovers. And, and it was quite shit. Quite a disappointment, let's be honest. It wasn't shit. It was, it was disappointing. Maybe it's me. Just me, that's not the case because a lot of people that I know that are recommend said it was disappointing. But I know that some of you really enjoyed it, just enjoyed So I would love to hear your feedback. So if you want to, you can answer. Did you enjoy this takeover? Did you think it was disappointment or you thought it was bellissimo, great? But I want to take a couple more minutes just to talk about NXT in general because... In all honesty, I kind of stopped watching NXT. I do know what happened. I still can watch it without, you know, feeling bored or like with Raw Smackdown or hating the show like with Raw and Smackdown. But it still, it still feels, 
it's not boring, but it feels wrong. You know, something is wrong there. And I was saying that I'm not invested in NXT anymore for quite some time. I I know that they're in the rebuilding phase, you know. The stars that they thought were going to be there forever are either injured, either they no longer have this appeal in, in the faces of, I guess... In the minds, I guess, of uh, head writers like Champa and Gargano, which is right because nobody can be at the top forever. You need to create new stars. The problem is those new stars are not ready or they were ready, but you missed the opportunity. And Keith Lee should have become, you know, this big next face of NXT. He wanted titles, which I thought was a big mistake because he said he doesn't want to hold um, North American title. He doesn't want to hold back any other man in the locker room. So he relinquished the title, which I thought was right decision. But you did need to make this decision in the first place. You could have just let somebody else win the match and still have, you know, a six-man ladder match. You could have go with different storylines here. And the fact that Keith Lee held this title only for a month. Nothing really stands up in my memory. And what happened while he was holding this title. Apart from that Dominic Dijakovic killed cross match. You know, this was the only cool thing that I remember. Everything in NXT feels kind of wrong apart from women's division. Women's division is solid there. Everything else, questionable. Johnny Gargano heel turn didn't really have any effect with me, I would say. It's quite an underwhelming story. And now, I don't know what's next for him. Tomas Ciampa coming back next week should be cool. Maybe we're going to have Killer Cross versus Tomas Ciampa too, but with longer build. Hopefully that's the case, but again, Killer Cross is injured. Who knows what's going to happen? Valentine Dream, let's not talk about this. Uh, Tag Team Division, let's not talk about this. It's dead. Everything else is kind of there. But again, how with Finn Balor or Timothy Thatcher or some other stars, they build them up, but then they don't know what to do with them. They face them against each other and one loses momentum. And right now, I wouldn't say that Finn Balor has a lot of momentum, I wouldn't say that Timothy Thatcher has a lot of momentum, so we are left with two stars that should be North American champions without North American title around the waist and without a proper story to go forward. I hope that NXT will be better and hopefully takeovers will be better when the fans will come back because I think this is the this is something that holds them down more than any other show. Because Takeover needs this fans attachment to this. You know, because without it and without solid build, we see what can happen. Hopefully again uh you enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully NXT will pick up. Hopefully, AW will not go lower because right now, 
they're doing something incredible. I cannot wait to see next Thursday episode. And yeah, hope you enjoyed it. Leave your opinion and goodbye.